0: Welcome to Radius. That was good. Y'all got quiet quick. So uh, some of you came and uh, we, we did a work day in Saluda yesterday. What a great group of folks we had. I hear Daniel got to carry a transmission yesterday. We had a variety of jobs. Jermaine saved a few people from a falling tree yesterday. We had a number of heroes and I have a, they rewarded me by letting me run a chainsaw all day, which was a great gift. My back sore, but it was fun. Rodney and I tag teamed and made lots of noise, and there's no more trees left on that property. But um, it was great. It It was a great day. Here's what's cool is Jermaine and Carlos, my sons, we all worked on the kind of the same team. And we hardly said a word the whole time, right? We just worked. There was one Lexington kid we about killed because he just liked being close to the saw. I don't know what his deal was. But, but Jermaine just looked at me, and he gave me that look, and I gave him, yeah, this kid has clueless, right? We had that, that moment together. And it's just like what's cool about it is you're working. There's all kind of noise. You don't have to talk, but at the end of the day, you feel like you know each other better. It's weird. Some people can talk all day, and they don't know each other. You know why? Because they just listen to themselves talk. And when you work together, for, for some reason, you could be quiet and feel like a team at the end of the day. Like we, we were all together. We're on a mission. We had 7,000 trees to cut down. So we did, a uh, slight exaggeration, maybe 70. We cut down a bunch. There were bushes that became trees and we cut them. It was just, it was at the end of the day on our little piece of property and there was multiple things going on. We, we became a team because we worked together. And so when Pete is talking about, us here at Radius White. No, that's kind of how we view this. We view we're together, we're on a mission together. This is not a cruise ship, this is a battleship. Okay? Pete, Pete gave me that quote, and I, I love that. Let me explain. Cheryl and I went on a cruise one time. You know what was so much fun about the cruise? It was all about us. There was food, unlimited food. We, we did good at the beginning of the week. By the end of the week, we could barely breathe because we ate so much. We could make our life. We could do whatever we wanted. The whole design of that boat was to make me happy. And it did a great job. I was, I was very happy by the end of it. But, but on a battleship, we're actually at war. And for some of y'all that know Jesus, you understand that there is a battle raging. It's raging in Red Bank and Lexington and South Carolina. It's a battle raging for the souls of people. And so on a battleship, we can't sit around and wait for somebody to bring us something. You got a job to do. You got a job to do. There's so much depending on us being ready for battle. So, so. Just so you understand how race, white, and old works. If you consider this a place that's yours, this is my church, this is where I belong, then we expect you to go to a station, right? Because if somebody's shooting at us, we're going to shoot back. That's that's, that's, That's what we've been asked to do. So if you don't volunteer for anything, let me just challenge you. We need to double our volunteers and children like today. So that little card you got... Unless you're a felon, all right? So you don't turn in a card, I'm assuming you're a felon. All right, just (laughs) no manipulation involved. Because we do background check. But just fill fill that thing out and say, I'd love to volunteer. I could volunteer once a month. I could volunteer once every four years. Put it down. So just so I know. Just put, put, because we've got to grow in our volunteer base so we can serve more people. That's kind of what's happening here, and it continues to happen. We need volunteers in a number of ways. You know how, if you're technical, don't feel like those guys back there, they got it locked up and they want to do it every week. They'd actually love to train you to do it. So ask them. So they don't have to do it every, there's, there's a variety of jobs just on Sunday that we need to get done. If you would, put on that card, I, I want to do a job, put me in one. That will really help us as we kind of line up and do this together. And what's cool, if you've never served at a church before, it kind of ends up at the end of the day, like with us working out in the yard, you, you serve and you sacrifice really something to give to other people. But at the end of the day, you actually feel like almost there's, there's a, a way that the day goes when you're here on Sunday that's even better than when you're in here pretty good when you're in here and it goes way beyond what happens on Sundays it goes into how we live the week let me pray and we'll get to this passage Jesus this group is uh, just fun to be with I always love sitting on this chair I feel at home uh, it's fun uh, cutting trees with people that I know yesterday and just feeling like a team And serving people that we don't even know. So thank you for that gift to me. Thank you for that gift to us. Thank you for the folks that you have um, have made this their home. And, you know, we've come from all different places. Some in the room were really scared the first time they walked in here because this did not look like a church. Some were scared because they've had some horrible church moments in their lifetime. Some came here because they had a dream of planting something in in white Knoll that would be healthy and good for the community. Some felt like you told them to come and they were obedient and they came. And here we are, Lord. Again, as we send our friends to West Columbia, we, we pray your blessings on them. A bunch of folks from here, Lord, just thank you for their willingness to go and love their community. Give them energy this morning. Pray that you give Jason the words to say that that they would be a light that not too long from now, there'd be something like this room right here sitting right in the middle of West Columbia, and we could be proud of our our younger brother down the road. But as they go, Lord, help us fill the holes that many of those leaders left. And uh, we want to continue to love our community by serving, serving others, serving you. We pray in your name. Amen. John chapter 3. So if you... uh, or my age, back in the day, like one of the greatest gospel things you could do would be in the end zone at a, super, at a NFL game and hold up a sign. What would it say? John 3.16. Assuming everybody in the world had a Bible and had an idea where John 3.16 was, right? And then the second most prominent one was John 3.3. 3. So this chapter right here, we've been, we've been on signs. This is, a, this is a, a spot in the Bible that captures a, a lot of the gospel. It's, it's an interesting story. What I, what I think we often do as followers of Jesus is that we take something, it just shows how clueless we are sometimes. You hold up John 3.16 with a good heart and don't realize that nobody knows John 3.16 anymore, right? I bet if we did a little quiz today, less than half of the folks in our room would know what it says. It's okay. Don't feel condemned. You're like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's cool. Good. You fit. It says you're half the room. So, so what we're going to try to do is understand what it says. And by next week, we're actually going to ask you to think about memorizing this one little verse, John 3, 6. It's how I came to Jesus, quoting this one verse, John three 16. I'm not going to get to it. We'll get that comes next week. I'm going to set it up with the beginning of John. It's this story about a guy named Nicodemus. I might slip up and call him Nick every once in a while because that's a bunch of syllables. And here it is, John 3, verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, here's the famous verse, John 3, 3. I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Sounds kind of important, doesn't it? Nicodemus. Nicodemus is uh is the best of the best, just so you understand. So he's wealthy. He lives in that neighborhood. That's where he lives, right? He lives in that neighborhood. He's wealthy, he's well educated. He's probably got his PhD in, in in the first five books of the Old Testament. He's he's very bright, most likely. He is a part of the Sanhedrin. If you don't know what Sanhedrin is, this is a 70-member ruling council of Israel. They, uh, they made the religious decisions, and then Rome, actually, the Roman Empire, actually tasked them to, to control the civil part of, of the world. So this guy is elite. It seems like even as we see in this conversation, he's kind of like, he's a well-mannered guy. You know, he's the guy that coaches the baseball team, and and he's got everything, and his team wins. This joker just annoys you a little bit. He don't even yell at the ump. He's just nice. I mean, he just seems like that's the kind of guy he is. He's kind of got it all together. And he has this conversation with Jesus that for, for centuries the church has used to explain to the world how they can know Jesus. So here here we go with Nicodemus. It says that he, uh, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. When I grew up, we always talk about this after dark thing, like he was embarrassed, so he had to sneak out at night to come see Jesus, which is probably true. We're not sure why, right? Either, Either he was a little ashamed because he was religious and he, he, he was afraid to go talk to Jesus, afraid of what everybody else was thinking. Or, or maybe he's like one of the politicians, which is very possible that we see on TV every night of the week. And as a commercial that, all the time where he is trying to vie to get Jesus to stamp him. In, in essence, he's, it's like a backroom conversation where he's trying to partner with Jesus to, to gain control of this 70-person Senate that he's on. Because Jesus is beginning to turn the tide. Folks are starting to listen to Jesus. And it's almost as if it's a political move, potentially. He goes at night either to make a political move or, or actually he's really interested in Jesus as, as an answer. We don't know. We don't know why he's there. We, a lot of times we like to act like we know why he's there. It just says he went after dark. Normally in John, that means something sinister. Like every time John talks about darkness, it's kind of, it's, it's negative. So who knows why Jesus came, why, why Nicodemus went to Jesus at night. But that's what he did. Notice what he calls Jesus. He calls him rabbi, teacher. That's the word for teacher. What's interesting, I think oftentimes when we read that, he says, rabbi, we know that God has sent you to teach us. So it's kind of like this humble guy. You know, you know the kid that says, yes, sir, too much? Like he just said, he say, he say, yes, sir, again, I'm going to pop you in the back of the neck, right? Because I know you're playing me for something, all right? You're about to sell me some Snickers or something because you just keep on being. And it's, if, it's as if he's positioning himself with Jesus. Like, he's, he's being nice. We know you're a t- teacher. You're miraculous signs or evidence. So he sees this movement in this guy. But we're not sure what his motivations are. Here's what's interesting I hadn't really thought about before. Nicodemus himself is a teacher. People call him rabbi, right? So he comes in low, but he's also saying, I'm equal. Rabbi, Rabbi, you're doing a great job, Rabbi. You know how we do that sometimes. You talk to somebody who's equal and you come in a little low. It's actually a pretty good sales tactic. You come in a little low and you kind of got that feeling. You got this relationship between two kind of elite people. He's being nice to Jesus because Jesus doesn't have a degree from Yale or Harvard or anywhere, but Nicodemus does. And he's respecting Jesus for for what he knows, and he's kind of putting it out there, and and he's kind. Of, you kind of have this nice conversation going on, and Jesus flips it. I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You ever have those kind of conversations? Where you're like, Hey, how are you doing too? I mean, what's your name? Jesus. It, it's like it, it, the way the scripture reads. There's probably more conversation to it, but Jesus gets right to the point, as John remembers it, and he says. Unless you're born again, what goes through your mind when I say born again, right? Far right Republican is that where your your mind goes? It goes to the far right, like like every guy who wants to get elected on they got to say at some point I've been born again because just in case you don't know they're playing you for your vote. Okay, they got to say that because that's what the right wants and it it gives you a little bit of political feel. Jesus, understand this. Nicodemus has never even heard this conversation before. We're used to it because people hold up John three three all the time and we use this phrase "born again." left and right, I think sometimes we think about it as the poor kid who's addicted to drugs that got saved out of that terrible place and look at him now, he's born again. We have either that political association or, or from, from the depths of despair into a new life. Is that what Jesus is talking about? If we were look at the original language, he's actually saying, born from above, Like, if you wanted to translate it another way, you would say that you need to be born from above. I wrote in my notes, I underlined it. I've been following Jesus a long time. I didn't ask the question for you. I asked it for myself. Am I born from above? I challenge you to ask yourself the same question. Instead of just letting that little cliche, this thing that we know so well, born again, go through our mind. Am I born from above? Nicodemus does what most of us would. He gets a little sarcastic. He says, what do you mean? What what do you mean born again? And and then he actually makes it very physical. He goes back to the physical and he says, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? You can kind of feel two really smart guys in a room. Nicodemus is maybe making a joke and maybe a little confused and a little overwhelmed with Jesus and chuckling while he's saying, how can I, look at me, I'm a buck 75, right? How, 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 How can I go back into my mother's womb? That makes no sense. And he laughs, and he's assuming Jesus has a punchline, and he's wondering where this thing goes. But Jesus just lets it sit there. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? Well, if it's God's kingdom, let me just keep it real simple without giving a whole lot. If it's God's kingdom, who's in authority there? God. So what makes it great? the fact that God's the authority there. He's the king. So you move into God's kingdom, he's an authority, and the only way to be a part of a kingdom where God's the authority is for you to be born from above. Had an interesting conversation this week. It was filled with some tears. A moment, uh, somebody I, might, I know said, uh, My generation doesn't want to follow Jesus. In other words, what was she she saying? They don't want to be under the authority of God, and I cannot convince them to want to be under the authority of God. They just keep going. I know where they're going. I know what's going to happen. I got this joy because I've been born from above, and I cannot freaking give it away. They don't want it. They don't want to be under the authority of God. They don't know what they're missing, and I can't convince them. And to a true follower of Jesus, that is depressing, and it causes tears. You want life for your friends. Nicodemus looks at Jesus like, what are you talking about? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and the Spirit. What? What? what you talk about Jesus I love it so here's a really really smart guy who can probably write you know he, he's brilliant and Jesus just keeps it low like like almost elementary to explain to him the truth and, and it's still going over Nicodemus's head I feel Nicodemus pain at times he says you must be born of the water and the spirit there's a lot of conversation about water what water means Perhaps the one I'm most comfortable with is a lot of folks think that Jesus is pointing back to John the Baptist. And what did John the Baptist do? Baptize people in the water. And it was a baptism of repentance, of saying that I'm sorry for who I am and for what I've done. And, and that repentance puts me in a humble position so that then I can be saved by the Spirit. So he's baptizing the water of the Spirit. There's a variety of views, but that, that, that plays out well for the whole Bible and would speak truth to you today, is that in order to have relationship, there has to be repentance, even for relationships that are established, right? Cheryl and I have known each other for 30 years, been married 26 plus, and this week, I don't know, she was a little crazy and I was a little stubborn, which seems to be our, 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 our Maybe a lot crazy and a lot stubborn. I'm not sure. Somewhere in, in in there, and there's just these moments, and and it just stays there, doesn't it? Nod your head. I'm not the only one in here, for goodness' sake. All right, thank you. Somebody's a bunch of liars. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and so until until we have a moment and make that thing right, which doesn't necessarily mean laying down on floor and kissing her feet and saying, I'm so sorry. In our case, a lot of times we're looking at each other in the mirror. It's just hard to brush your teeth and be mad at each other. And brushing your teeth and you're looking at each other and then that thing comes clear. It's, you really, in our case, can rarely establish who's right. I mean, I've got it established, but <laughs> she seems to have it established too. And, and, and the only way to make it right is to say, I'm sorry. The only way. And so one of the things that Jesus is just saying, hey, the way to be born again is, is the low road, is by saying that I'm sorry. And in this case, when it's a man and a woman, sometimes I just can't figure her out. Particularly at this stage of life, I can't figure her out. And she can't figure me out. And so we're at a loss. And it's difficult for us to say wrong because we don't even know how we were wrong, right? But in this case, Jesus is saying, you have to come to the point where you say you were wrong, not just I'm sorry, to get out of the argument, but I'm wrong. And then the Spirit redeems. He goes on to speak about the Spirit. Verse six: Humans can reproduce. Uh, humans can reproduce only human life. I mean, <laughs> you're talking to the PhD. And you're like, okay, people make people. You know, the lady's pregnant. Sarah Gill's back there watching kids. She's pregnant. It's real evident. Might have a baby this week, Jeffrey. <laughs> I'm concerned for Jeffrey more than Sarah. But anyway, they're they gonna have a baby. Praise the Lord. Humans make humans. We did say we had to buy a suburban, right? We make babies. We explain it later if you don't understand that, right? Um, But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. The only way to be alive in the spirit is through the Holy Spirit. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. You must be born from above. You must be born from the spirit. And then he goes into this crazy verse eight. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can not explain how people are born of the Spirit. How you th- why do you think he's saying that? Jesus and Nicodemus sitting across from each other on the couches. They're having this conversation. Jesus is talking about being born again. It's nighttime. Disciples are probably sitting, a couple of disciples sitting. Maybe John was there, and he's recording the story. You assume he was there. And, and what do you think happened? The wind blew. Right? At my house, the windows shake when the wind blows. The wind blows, and Jesus goes, because he's a brilliant communicator. The wind. And if you don't know the Greek, I don't know the Greek. I read about this this week. The same word for wind and spirit in the Greek. So he just plays it because he's a master communicator. And he says, the wind blows wherever it wants. And Nicodemus is hearing the wind and there's this connection. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can not explain how people are born of the spirit. It's a mystery. It's above us. I don't know if you're as old as me. Maybe you grew up in a church that used King James. That's, that's where I grew up. And, and, I, and I learned a lot of verses in the King James. And it was a blessing to me. But that one right there was rough. Chapter 3, verse 8. I can still remember. When I looked at it, I'm like, wow, that's way easier to understand than how I, Let me read it to you. The wind bloweth where it listeth. All right? <laughs> You talk about a mystery. It's already mysterious. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth, so is everyone born of the Spirit. You're like, the Holy Spirit's got to save people, right? Because I can't understand a word he said. It's this uh, beautiful saying that Jesus gives us, and I want to challenge you if you've known Jesus for a long time. Am I trying too hard to explain what it means to be born again? All right? Do you need to have in a nice little package that you can give to somebody? Because you're that guy. You got to have it all figured out. Because what Jesus is saying, and he's the son of God, this is a mystery. It's above us. And he's telling Nicodemus... I, bro, I know you, you kind of got all the life figured out. You run your play. You got all these rules. You can't figure this out. It's a mystery. It's above us how it is to be born of the Spirit. So what does that mean we do for our neighbors that don't know Jesus? You probably have a friend in here who doesn't know Jesus yet. What's the best thing we can do? Ask the Holy Spirit to explain himself because you can't. Now, you can... You know, next week we're going to work on John three sixteen. Use how he explains himself to explain the gospel. Sometimes I think we so hard want to relate and we try to be like everybody. And when we're trying to introduce somebody to Jesus, we introduce them to the benefits of knowing Jesus. But we don't introduce them to Jesus. The best ways to explain Jesus is to read what Jesus said about himself to somebody. That's why the word has this great power. So there's this mystery, it's above us, but I, there are countless stories of folks that have read even in the King James, for whatever the verse is, and have come to Jesus because the Holy Spirit has explained Himself. And they've believed. Verse 9, I loved Nicodemus. With uh, no, no exclamation point, just a question mark, but I, I, I imagine the exclamation point. How are these things possible? Nicodemus came in here for whatever reason in the middle of the night and his mind is getting blown. How is this possible? He's overwhelmed by the simplicity and complexity of the gospel. The good news that you could be born of the spirit, born from above. When was the last time you were overwhelmed by the gospel? When did the last time it didn't make sense to you because of its depth? I think sometimes we get so used to these cliche words like born again when we say them. We're like, I got that. And so our worship stinks because we got that. We got it figured out. When I was in Austin, Cheryl and I were working with a the church. There was a pastor there, and he was hiring a new guy. He's hiring another pastor, and he was telling me about the conversation he had with him, and he asked him when was the last time he wept, cried, because of his understanding that Jesus saved him. And this guy was really talented. He met all the criteria, but he didn't have a story. He didn't have a story of breaking. It ain't all about tears, right? When was the last time you were moved in your soul overwhelmed with the truth about jesus nicodemus doesn't even get it yet he's overwhelmed you can feel it how can these things be true and then jesus kind of goes for the juggler he does this to me often as as a good friend and as a great king you're a respected jewish teacher and yet you don't understand these things you're the pastor of radius church why no and you don't understand these things you just completed your 12th Beth Moore study. <laughs> and you don't understand these things? You've been so successful on that job, and everybody there thinks you're great, and you don't get this? It's just this moment where he gets in his business a little bit and brings a little humility and is healthy. He, he, he sneaks it up on me like he sneaks up on Nicodemus, and As I assure you, we tell you what we know and, we have, and what we have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. Who's we? It's not a capital we. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen. Who? Prophets. John the Baptist was just here. Go back a little further, there's Malachi. You go back, you can find all my sons if you keep going back. There's Elijah, there's Isaiah. Right? You go back, uh, Israel, you ain't really a prophet. Sorry, but, but there's a country. But there's a lot of prophets in your country. But you kind of go all the way, but Jeremiah, there's, there's all these prophets. And Jesus pointed back to the prophets who kept telling the folks the good news, often laced with some bad news about how they needed to change, and they just couldn't hear or receive their testimony. They didn't want to hear it. And so they were lost. You won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, simple stuff, how can you possibly believe that I tell you what I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. What's Jesus saying? (laughs) Nicodemus, I see your PhD. I know you went to Yale, but I just came from heaven. All right, but I mean, so peace don't mean much. I came straight from the Father. I'm one with the Father. He's saying I'm all God. I'm deity. I'm one with the Father. I'm right here, and I'm telling you how it works. You have to be born from above. It's where I came from. You have to be born of the Spirit, or there is no life. I don't care how much you study. And then he goes into this last line, which will set up last, next week. Let me just read it to you briefly. I thought it was, it was funny when I was uh, preparing. I was talking to somebody, and they actually they, they, they read these verses, and they said, it's like, it's like Jesus was throwing, throwing Nicodemus a bone. Like, the whole conversation has been over Nicodemus' head. Like, he doesn't get it. And then in, in this last moment, he says, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, and Nicodemus like, finally, something I know about. I memorized that passage. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. You know, when you go to the hospital, they always have a pole with a snake on it. You know why? Because of this story. That pole with a snake on it is about healing. Some of you all we've talked about it here before. There's a story in the Old Testament where Moses, his folks are rebelling against God again. And they're getting bit by serpents and they're dying right in front of Moses. I can remember as a kid seeing a picture of this. I mean, obviously, it wasn't a photograph. It was a drawn picture. And, and folks are dying all over the ground. Moms, babies, dad, everybody, they're just laying and they're dying because the venom is slowly working its way to their heart and it's going to kill them. And Moses begs God, and God tells him, take a pole and put a serpent. Can you imagine being the guy, the bronze smith, who had to make the serpent, and the rush you would have been in, the pressure you were on to make this serpent and put it on a pole, and then Moses pangs it in the ground, and then folks look at the serpent according to the story in the Old Testament. And Nicodemus is tracking. Yeah, I remember that story. And when they look at the serpent, what happens? They're healed. Miraculous story of the Old Testament. They didn't do anything. What did they do? They looked, and they believed. If you are stubborn and you look away and you are Moses, don't bring me that garbage, and you just keep looking away, what happens to you? You're a dead man. The venom finally does. It takes a while. The venom finally gets where it's going, and it kills you. Again, Nicodemus maybe was tracking for just a second. He had no idea what was yet to come, right? When he's hearing this story, he has no idea that in not too long a future Three years from now, approximately, Jesus would be the one up on the pole, right? He'd be the one up on the cross, and he would bleed there. His body would be broken, and if you would look at the cross, he'd give you life. If you remember, when we started reading this book, John, the whole reason he wrote it was so that you would believe. And for those of us that have known him a long time, so that we would keep on believing did you pick up on in this passage? He keeps using the word believe, and next week he's going to use it even more. So he's saying, I want you to look. I want you to look at me, Nicodemus. You're going to have to take your mind off of all you've accomplished in your life. And for some of y'all, you're like, I'm not Nicodemus. Yeah, you are. you in the United States of America. The rest of the world would love to be in your seat. You're like, Man, I'm poor. I'm like, not really. You're probably in the top 10% in the world the poorest of us. I'll give you 20%, top 20% in the world. Nicodemus, wealthy, you're educated, a lot of the world can't read, still. Struggles to read. Some of you just know a few verses, but you know more than many. So you ought to be able to identify. Some of you ought to identify with this more. Jesus is a, at the end of the day, you have to recognize that the venom in your body is making its way to your heart. And unless you look to me and believe, you're a dead man. We're not talking about uh, the drug addict. If you're the drug addict, this is a great story, right? I mean, I, I know I've got venom in me, and it's in my blood, literally. And, and I would say, you need to look to Jesus. And, and then we, we can talk about doing more. But he's talking to the best of the best. And he's saying, you're dying. You need a Savior. And so I ask you a question. I wrote the first one in here. Am I born from the above? My last note in my little notebook, this says, am I saved? Ask it. I'm asking it. Am I saved? And when when I answer it, it's a humbling answer, but it's a happy answer. Right, because when I ask that question to myself, and I slow down, I stop running through life, and I just ask the question, am I saved? Am I born from above? I go, yeah, but I'm saved, right? I got saved, And, and there's nothing in that. When you say you're saved, there's nothing in that you did, right? I didn't do anything. I didn't grab the cliff on the way over and save myself and pull myself up. Jesus saved me. The only thing that could save me was him on the pole, and I looked. If if I get credit for anything, that's that, and there's no credit there. I looked at the Savior, and I believed, and he saved me. So for some of us, we've heard this passage. We grew up in church. I heard this when I was a boy, and the sad thing is over time, it can bore us because we've forgotten that we've been saved And we roll our little cliches off and we play our little game and we've forgotten. That's why we don't worship well, right? Because we've lost the proof that we've been saved. We've forgotten what that meant. It's easy. It's easy for me. Get distracted and move away from it and want something more. And Jesus is saying to the brightest of the bright, you can't explain being born again. In some ways, you can only celebrate it so we're going to do that. We're going to worship here for a little bit. We're going to sing an old song. You'll know it. Sing it to the Lord. Pray for the people in your neighborhood. Ask that the Lord would explain the good news that he explained to you to them so they can have the same privilege and joy that you have. Boy, if you're in the room and you had not met him yet, I can't. I, it's not going to get a whole lot clearer than John 3.16 next week. So you may want to go home. It's what somebody had me do. They had me memorize John three sixteen, And I just threw it in my crock pot and thought and thought and let it come to life. I dare you to listen to what God says about himself and let him explain what it means to be born again to you. Man, sometimes he just gets you in the moment. I can remember when Jesus saved me and it just it was it was a Sunday afternoon. I was young, but it became really evident as a young boy that I needed to be, that I need to repent. I mean, obviously, you're only a young kid. You can only have done so many things wrong. In the world. But there just became, I got I became conscious of a need to repent. And that day, I was born. I quoted that verse. I sat on, my dad knew Jesus. I sat on the bed, and he had me quote the verse. I quoted it, and we went through it. And it was The lights came on inside. I didn't start bawling. It wasn't like this monster emotional moment. Matter of fact, I think I just went to bed afterwards, right? Like we didn't go have a party and, you know, it it was just this moment where everything changed. Some of the older guys in the room that believed in, in, their, in their later years, they, it's more drastic like some of their habits. This isn't, though, like a, a living different statement. This isn't like I stop doing something tomorrow. This is that your whole insides are replaced. This isn't like turning your computer off and turn it back on and it works again. That's how I fix everything. This is, just turn it off. This is like taking a whole new operating system, ripping the old one out, and putting the new one in. I'm a new man. I'm I'm redeemed by that blood that we remember every week with communion here. That's what we're about. That's why this is a war, because the enemy doesn't want anybody to know that good news. And so there's this spiritual battle going on. That's why this is a battleship where I'm certainly not the captain. Jesus is the captain. He's got us on a mission, and he's explaining his good news to this community, and and we're part of his battle plan. Happy to be in it with you. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. I feel like maybe I ought to jump off the stage because you saved me. We've been knowing each other a long time, Lord. And you've been so faithful to me. And one of the things I often thank you for is the way you chase me because I I, I run away from you often. Thank you for saving me, and thank you for this book that we're reading through that enhances my belief in you. I'm, I'm proud to be called Born From Above, but the pride doesn't come from some kind of a exclusive group that I'm a part of. It, it comes from a pride in the gospel in the work that you gave and that you made available to everybody in this room, to everybody in this world. There's nobody excluded. I'm happy to call you my king. Lord, I know today there's a couple people in here that don't know you. I pray, I pray now, we pray together that your spirit would explain the gospel to them. Lord, and that they would would decide, they would humble themselves and repent and be born from above. Lord, give them the courage even today. We'll have folks in the back. They they can walk back and find find somebody they know. Give them the courage to talk to somebody about it. Get them over whatever holds them back. and Make them new. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so. We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius, please visit us online at radiuschurch.org or... Download our app from your app store.